Welcome to Cities Down South, a show about how we get around and live in our cities today around the American South. Uh, Today we're talking about a topic that's got a lot of specialness to me in particular. We're talking with Becca Zajac, who is the executive director of the Dragonfly Trail Network in Columbus. I actually went to college in Columbus, and for a long time I was a bicycle commuter in that area, so I got around without a car and used the trail systems to get to work and to get to school and to go all over the place, so uh, it's really cool to be talking about kind of that space and what they're doing in Columbus and how they've progressed, you know, even since I was down there, which was around 2014, um, and how much progress there's been since then. So uh, without any more ado, uh, Becca, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm um, Rebecca Zajac. I the, I'm the executive director of Dragonfly Trails, and that is our Greenway Trails based in Columbus, Georgia. Um, and I have been with Dragonfly for a little over a year and a half. So cool. Yeah, I, I'm very familiar with Dragonfly Trails. So I used to use, before it was even branded Dragonfly Trails, I used to use what, what I believe it's still called this, but the Fall Line Trace which travels from downtown Columbus through kind of the midtown heart of the city and mm-hmm. ends around uh, our largest city park, uh, Flat Rock Park. And um, I used to travel that route all the time uh, to get to and from school and to get to and from work. So that was my commute for a couple of years. And then uh, a few years ago, probably four or five years ago, that we kind of expanded the trail network into this, the Dragonfly Trail Network. Can you tell me a little bit about how that kind of came about? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we are really fortunate in Columbus to have a lot of public-private partnerships. Um, We have a great civic um, team of people that are interested in in improving the quality of life in Columbus. So Dragonfly Trails kind of came out of that um, a few years ago. Uh, several civic leaders went to a night conference uh, in Chicago, I believe, and it was called Doable Cities. And one of the main takeaways from that conference was um, uh, trails, walkability, pedestrian bike infrastructure. And we were lucky enough that when our leaders left that conference, they were all eyes, all focused on building trails and and figuring out um, why so for example the one that you just addressed was fall line trace there are um in columbus there are two there were two major trails and there still are uh the river walk runs basically north uh, uh north south and then the fall line trace is east west and in between those two trails were uh, a mile and a half of um dis- uh, where they were disconnected and so when this group came back from chicago they were looking at our trail system and saying, okay, first and foremost, these two trails need to be connected. You know, why hasn't this been done? Um, How do we make it happen? And so um, a very long story short, basically our nonprofit was built um, to help address the challenges that the city had connecting the trails and building out a trail system. And because we're a nonprofit, we're a little bit more nimble and we can um, find other resources like private funding to help support our um, initiatives. And so basically uh, we formed as a nonprofit, we um, started looking for 
people who are doing this in other places, particularly um, in the Southeast. And we are incredibly lucky that the PATH Foundation, who has worked on trails all over the Southeast and, and are really the marquee trail builders uh, and designers, were located in Atlanta. And our group of civic leaders went to Atlanta and said, how do we bring this to Columbus? And so they came to Columbus in 2017 and they did an analysis of our city and where our trails were. And, and they picked out two areas that needed to be immediately addressed. One is the connection we just talked about, which was between the Riverwalk and the Fall Line Trace. And two was creating a more direct and obvious connection um, from our downtown core to the Chattahoochee River. So in Columbus, we're located on the Chattahoochee River. It is the absolute gem of our city, and um, the river walk runs parallel to it for 13 miles. Uh, our, our river walk is is actually the most beautiful, as you probably know, the most beautiful utility road you will find probably nationally, if not internationally. But um, basically, Columbus, for those of of you who may not be familiar, it has the Chattahoochee River running through it. We were a mill town when people were younger. And Scott, I don't know if you grew up there, but uh, I guess people who did grow up there said there's no way they would ever, you know, put their toe yeah. in it. They didn't want to walk by it. It wasn't what it is today. And so this this river walk and creating this utility utility road for our um, to address our combined sewer overflow issues really started what has turned into the Dragonfly Trail, but that river walk got laid down and we just saw a boom from an economic development perspective along the trail. The Chattahoochee River had the dams blown and, and they restored the river and now we have whitewater and zip lining. But all of that is to go back and say, uh, you know, our organization is really working with the city to figure out how we can make trails connect back to our river because that is kind of our gem but it's also in columbus we have a really high poverty rate and we have people that don't have access to uh, vehicles they don't own vehicles uh, we have a public transit system that is maybe not the most reliable and so creating better access to trails especially for the low to moderate income neighborhoods is also why Dragonflies Trails is around. We want to make sure that everybody in our community has access to trails. And I'll say even from my perspective, you know, I use the trails initially for recreational purposes. I think you were you were probably, or really probably the poster child actually for Dragonfly Trails. Um, when you talk about going to CSU, using the trails as transportation for work, for school, to get to your house. And that's sort of what we've learned through the last few years. And it sounds obvious now, but transportation, our, our trails are so much more um, about transportation, uh, really even than recreation. I mean, we use our, we can use our trails to get people to places that need to go in a really um, easy, accessible way. You know, there's not a lot of barriers to using a trail. You can walk, you can run, um, you know, getting a bike. Of course, we're working on making sure people have access to bikes who may need them. But that's been something really special about our organization is, is going beyond the recreational values of trails and, and really starting to talk to our community and hear how much they're using trails for transportation and, and then really building them in places that transportation is under-resourced, I guess. Yeah, I think that's what's so notable. Having looked at a lot of different bike plans and a lot of different trail initiatives is the Dragonfly Trail Master Plan is very much about connectivity. Mm -hmm. um, it's very much about 
finding corridors where people are are living and getting them from one place to another in a pleasant and safe way, um, and then connecting those routes to each other through little spurs and through different and, and making sure that it's kind of not a grid exactly, but it is a connective network. And that's something that I think you don't see in a lot of other areas where they're really focused on, okay, we're going to make one really nice greenway, basically, that maybe can move people from one area to another, um, say a downtown to a, a park area further away, which is great. And it's certainly better than nothing. It's certainly a great first step. But Dragonfly has really kind of been a real leader in that, that they've always kind of started to get their hands around this idea of, of connectivity through the trail network and branding it as the Dragonfly Trail Network um, and Dragonfly Trails, I think has been a has been a really interesting thing to watch. Yeah, and I'll I'll talk to that a little bit. Um, one of the things that we learned early on when we went and looked at different trail systems is some of the most memorable ones did a really good job with branding, and they they took their brand and they made it something. Um, that was notable to their community. So the Swamp Rabbit in Greenville was was really the one that inspired us. And so Betsy Covington, who's the president and CEO at the Community Foundation, she is one of the leaders that started this initiative of Dragonfly Trails. And she, um, to get the name, she did a public open-ended question on Facebook and somebody in our community said Dragonfly Trail, Dragonfly. And the reason is because as the Chattahoochee River in Columbus, where the, the dams were breached, the river returned to its natural flow, the health of the river improved, the species, native species came back, um, plant life started developing, we started seeing dragonflies, and dragonflies are indicator species of clean water. And so it's sort of, again, like Columbus has really identified itself as this city on the Chattahoochee River, and we've really built our tourism off of what's happening on the river and so i think it's important that our organization that is outdoor and adventure is absolutely uh, talking to the chattahoochee river and, and incorporating that in our branding so that's that's how we got the name talk to me so talk to me a little bit about so like you said you are the only staff member of dragonfly trails but what what does that look like for you so say i'm i'm somebody else and i'm in the city and, and I'm, I'm really interested in getting involved and, and something happens where there's some possibility of an organization coming to support trail advocacy. What is it? I mean, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the exciting things that are happening that, that are kind of happening in your job? What is your job kind of, kind of like? I guess. Yeah. I, I think um, as anybody who's probably worked in a, a small or startup um, company or organization or nonprofit, you're sort of a jack of all trades. Um, and that brings an in incredible amount of um, unpredictability to your job or inconsistency from a day-to-day day-to-day standpoint but like I think that's what I thrive off of I love that I can be working on giving feedback on a design for a trail then talking about you know what's the social media marketing plan for the next week going to city council and working on an ordinance to make sure businesses can connect to the trail then you know putting on your boots and running down to the trail and, and documenting a maintenance issue. I think as a small nonprofit, you know, you've really, as a one man team, you've got to be incredibly um, focused on what's the most important each day, each week, and um, be a jack of all trades. You've just got to be able to kind of maneuver and go back and forth. But that's like, for me, that's 
I am better in types of roles like that. Like that's where my passion comes from. I love working on events, on marketing, on design, on engineering, on maintenance, but it's, it's definitely a challenge. And I think I look at the belt line that has a staff of, I think like a hundred or, or other, or, or other, um, smaller nonprofits like myself that have two or three or four staff. And we could certainly use that. But right now we're really lucky to have a board that's incredibly active. Ken Henson was also one of the kind of founding members of, of the Dragonfly Trails um, team. And, and he uh, is our board chair and he is every day working on the trails. And he's a lawyer by trade, but has been um, incredibly useful in navigating the relationship with the city um, in engineering. He's He's been a great mentor to me. And, and on our board, we have um, Kirk Tickner, who leads the Public Works um, uh, program on Fort Benning, and he's responsible for trail building. He's been great. Uh, we have Gerald Mitchell, who was a, is, is the president and CEO of the Chamber of Commerce in Columbus, but he spent um, the last three or four years working on economic development on the Beltline. And so having him, um, for example, having him talk to economic developers and uh, articulate the value of trails so that, you know, they're already ready to work with us before we even meet them. And, and that's where we come in from a de design perspective and really help economic developers or the city with creating plans and designs and saying, okay, here are a set of plans that are fully engineered, we're ready to roll, um, and then we have to fund it and, and build it. So yeah, I think I think everybody has a full schedule and um, you just figure out a way to make it work. But everything I'm doing, I'm, I'm very passionate about. And the best part, I think, of working on the Dragonfly Trails is when you meet people on the trails and, or this is a perfect example, we're building a, a trail connecting the Riverwalk to um, 10th Avenue, which is you know our downtown core to Midtown, to parts of Midtown and then South Columbus. And we have an existing trail there called the Martin Luther King Jr. Trail. There's a, a man I met there last year when we were designing the trail. And he said he uses this walkway and it's the, uh, our underpasses incredibly um, dark and gloomy and lots of rain, uh, water just sort of leaks. There's poor lighting. He feels unsafe in it. And he's like, I walk this almost every day to go to my doctor's appointments. And when we told him about the trail, he like got emotional. He was so excited that his walk would improve tremendously. And I think like when you have those experiences with people who use the trails daily and it actually like changes their life and improves it, those are the most meaningful days of, of my work. Yeah, I know exactly the area you're talking about. This is a kind of a, an underpass tunnel kind of feeling that it's very dark. Cars are going very fast. It's not a very pleasant area. It isn't. This, uh, yeah, from it is not aesthetically pleasing by any means. And and the sidewalk that's existing is is very small and cracked. And you know you could easily trip and you think you're going to be in the road, hit by a car that's going too fast. So we're really excited not only to change the sidewalk into uh, a multi-use trail, but we are going to actually activate the underpass with colored lighting and murals and make it like a um, public arts destination where people will kind of maybe linger and take pictures and, and connect. Like you said earlier, you know, it's not only about physical, physically connecting trails, it's about connecting with other people. Yeah. So we've talked about this a little bit. How important is it to be doing this kind of work in a supportive environment? You know, any kind of planning work, any kind of infrastructure work is inherently 
political, no matter how we swing it. It's it's kind of it's run by councils and it's run by budget finance people and it's all kind of it's political in some way. I mean, how 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 has that kind of impacted your work? You know, Columbus I know has been has a history of of relatively solid support for for biking and pedestrian issues and, and developing the Riverwalk and developing things like that over the last twenty years or so. How how have you been able to um, intersect with that kind of world? Yeah, I would say we have great support from the city and community. I think it's extremely challenging for people to understand all of the benefits of trails. I wholeheartedly believe investing in a trail, it has like one of the highest returns on investment and trying to communicate that to people, um, influential people is, ch- is a challenge if they're not utilizing the trails. And, and that's, I've been, to me, I see it being less political, less challenging to get funding, less challenging to get approval when we actually take people on the trails and show them what the trails are doing. And so I don't know, that's that's like something I, I work on every single day is, is helping people understand whether it's an economic developer or it's a city council member or a potential funder, you know, how important these trails are not just for your group maybe, but also like the greater community and everybody in the community. Trails are for everyone. I'm convinced there's a benefit for everybody, whether it's transportation, recreation, mental health, beautification, you know, community pride and attachment. It, you know, some some of our trails tell the history of our neighborhoods or our community. So I, I think like I am always listening to other communities and how they're better communicating the values of trails and getting more people behind it. I think when you look at other cities like um, large cities like Atlanta or Minneapolis that have these incredible bike ped infrastructure, I mean, that's where I want to be. I think Columbus is, we're the second largest city, depending on census data, we're the second largest city in the state. We have positioned ourselves as this town, that re- the city that really values outdoor recreation and, you know, whitewater rafting or zip lining is not necessarily for everybody, but trails are. Like they are for your tourists, they are for you, they are for you and me, they are for our residents. Like they are incredibly transformational. And so I think like I just want to figure out how do we get more people on board? Because to me, I want to be building, you know, 10 miles of trails every year and have a budget of $20 million or something committed. And, and so we're working on that every day. But again, like incrementally each year, each quarter, we're getting more people on board. We're getting more people that are decision makers to understand the return on investment of trails. One of the other aspects we've been working on to get the community, not only people in leadership positions, but to get like the grassroots community on the trails and feel ownership over them is by activating them. And so we've really started focusing on public art and whether that's some of the examples of what we've done is um, uh, the CSU art uh, graduates generally have a senior exhibition and because of COVID they, they couldn't have it indoors and we were, we were just sort of scrambling uh, or they were scrambling to figure out how do you honor all this work these students have done. And so um, Hannah Israel is a professor there and a good friend of mine. We partnered up, we took their senior thesis or senior project and we put it on these clings on the river walk and we used a private wall owned by WC Bradley who allowed us to use it. And we put 
basically uh, their senior exhibition outside on the trails and thousands more people saw it because it was outside on the trails where they used it every day. You know, we're doing, we worked with Turnaround South Columbus and put some historical markers along the Martin Luther King Jr. Trail that tell the history of the black and brown civic leaders in Columbus. And as we have spent more time, especially in South Columbus on the trails, a lot of the older generation says, has been telling us that you know, we just feel like our history is getting lost. The youth in our area uh, don't understand how prideful they should be of, of where they live and where they came from and the previous leaders. So we are, we're working on a mural, hopefully, of A.J. McClung on the actual facade of the A.J. McClung uh, YMCN Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, which is along the trail. We're illuminating that underpass with bright lights and some color so people feel uh, not only safe and comfortable, but it's an actual experience. So I think we as a, as a trail organization are really trying to partner with whether it's um, Columbus State University, it's uh, an arts organization, it's Trees Columbus to beautify the trails. Like we are working to make sure that our trails are beautiful and people are attracted to them for different reasons. You know, another example is we spend a lot of time talking to economic developers in our area and making sure that they understand the value of trails. But this is an example of when W.C. Bradley, which does a ton of economic development in Columbus and the Southeast, they were going to put bricks on that wall. It's a basically a big retaining wall that's underneath um, a new hotel and they were going to brick it. And we said, hey, before you do that, can we do these, can we do this exhibition? And that went really well. And we we're like, hey, can we do the second exhibition? They said, yes. And then they've actually decided to keep it a blank canvas so we can continue doing exhibitions. So we're working with the Chattahoochee River Conservancy on an exhibition that will be some sort of display of the Chattahoochee River from conservation to the dams being breached to whitewater rafting and ziplining and the, and the native species. And it should be a good place to have lots of public art in the future. But, you know, again, I think we talked about a little bit about providing access to neighborhoods that don't have it in the same way. It is incredible that in our downtown core, there's tons of public art, but we've really got, we are really trying to move public art to places where it's not as easily accessible. If you, if you don't live by the museum, if you can't walk or, or ride your bike to the museum, how do we have pop-up public art? You know, we did something at the Liberty Theater where we painted a storage container. We put a mural on a storage container and that's gonna be our movable mural for the next like year and a half. So just branching outside of just building trails and making sure there's a reason. You don't just build them, but you give people a reason to come there too if, if a trail and some concrete is just not enough for them. So you've, you've been, um, you know, you've been active on the Dragonfly Trails for years before they were the Dragonfly Trails. You've, um, you know, got your planning degree and now, you know, what are some opportunities that you see for the Dragonfly Trails or what, if you were here and you were involved in it, what would you, what would you like to see? I, I think one of the big things is going to be to continue, one, to continue to engage with business owners mm -hmm. and connecting businesses to the trail is going to be really important. And I would love to see intensive connections to schools. That's something that I think is really critical. I think it would be, I think it's absolutely critical to get kids using trails to walk and bike to school for a billion different reasons, for health, for congestion, for just a sense of agency mm. <laughs> so yes. they don't have to be 
driven everywhere. One other, well, I have another question. One of the items that we're just sort of exploring is like, how do we get more people to commute and, and identifying those barriers and addressing them? You know, when you were commuting on the trails, uh, did you see a lot of people uh, commuting? Like, you know, did the, did the commuters look like you? Were they students? Um, you know, and what would you say to people to kind of maybe, you know, start by maybe just riding their bike to the grocery store and getting stuff, but maybe eventually coming, becoming a full-time commuter? So no, I, I almost never saw students commuting. I did see commuters on the fall line trace. They were mostly, mostly, I would say, people in their 40s, kind of older folks. And this was kind of around the school, so it was kind of unusual. Um, I think the main thing for getting people to commute, it's really got to connect with where they live. It's that it's that last it's not even a last mile thing. It's just the gaps. Mm-hmm. These little tiny gaps where it's like if I live in an apartment block and I have to walk literally a quarter mile on a really crappy sidewalk or or no sidewalk to the start of the trail, the mm-hmm. narrowing that gap as much as possible is really what's got to make it happen. Um, and for me, you know, that was when I was really heavily commuting. I lived downtown and I biked up to the start of the bike route, which is where the gap was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just sharrows, you know, yep. on the road. And I took that up to the falling trees. But even then, limiting that, even just the sharrows, which we know are not ideal, it was enough to le- to shorten the gap a little bit. You yep. know, I wasn't riding directly on this st- on, on a completely free for all area. I think it's just looking at where people are living, where the the population centers are, where the apartment is, where the neighborhood is. And then even if it's not part of the trail network, exactly looking at the state of the sidewalks and the state of the lanes, the bike lanes, whether there's opportunities for cut throughs, like little paths. Desired lines. Desired lines. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Those last, those, it's not even last mile, those last quarter mile, those last 300 feet really are a huge mental barrier. One thing that I am really following closely is the dramatically lessening cost of e-bikes. Mm. it's not they're not as dramatically low in price as i'd prefer at this moment but we could see them reach equivalent status for five hundred dollars for like a entry-level e-bike within a couple years and i think that has a lot of potential because i think if you're on a trail you would have a pretty serious case that you would actually save time i think a lot of times on an e-bike or even on a normal bike versus getting in your car exiting your living complex being in traffic, sitting at red lights, finding parking uh, versus, you know, you leave at 7.20 in the morning and you get on your bike and 15 minutes later, you just, you park it right next to your door and go to work. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a very serious possibility. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. And one of the things um, I, I think in most areas of, of our trail network, it would really not, um, it would enhance everybody's uh, commute because there's not a ton of ton of people using the trails on a daily basis for commuting. I would be interested if we ever get to a point where, you know, there's so many e-bikes that we have to either widen the path. you know, right now it's 12 feet is kind of the standard, but it's like, do we, will we widen them? Will we put them on the streets? What will, what will that look like? E-bikes are lower the barrier of entry for a lot of people who may not be as fast as their partner or, you know, maybe don't have the strength to ride a bike, not assisted just yet. So I, for example, you know, my parents, 
my dad is on a road bike flying and my mom has a road bike, but really could use a little extra assistance to keep up with them and have a really enjoyable experience together. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the future of e-bikes as well. And, and hopefully we see a few more of them on the trail. So I kind of really quickly want to talk about, I think what's really, I think something that's really cool about Dragonfly is that the trails are actually planned, built and ready to use pretty darn quick. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the connector between the Falling Trace and the Riverwalk, that was, I mean, that was like months yeah. to completion. I, and, and we're talking, I mean, there are some projects that they're ideated and then you see them seven years later. I mean, this was like seven months mm -hmm. and you can see work being done almost immediately. A lot of the trails kind of around South Columbus were similar. I mean, they were funded, planned, ideated, created very quickly. And I'm wondering how important that is to keeping energy up and to keeping people optimistic and saying like, wow, things are actually happening. I want to get involved. I want to donate. I want to see yep. things happen more. You know, that you brought up a great point. I think from 2017, 2018, when the Dragonfly Trails was not actually an established nonprofit, it had a, it had a fund at the Community Foundation and the people running the Dragonfly Trails were, it was their second or third job, you know, they had full-time jobs elsewhere. And so the momentum, you know, really got going in 2017, 2018, and then 2019, it, it died down a little bit just based on people having other careers and things like that. And that is why we became a nonprofit and hired a staff member because we need to keep that momentum going. And we have heard heard and seen that as we start talking about a new trail, people are getting excited and they're starting to say like, oh, when are you bringing a trail here? Or, hey, have you thought about this? And I think you're spot on making sure that we're consistently building trails. Like right now, we are about to break ground on one of them, but we are in the process of designing and funding two more. And that's that's what we want. That's the goal. We want to be breaking ground on trails, either back to back or simultaneously to keep not only the momentum going, but also to continue to get public and private buy-in. It's so, it's incredibly important because every time there's a new trail, people get excited, but you've got to keep them engaged. And that's it for today's episode of Cities Down South. Thank you so much to Becca for, for talking with me today. Like I said, this is a an area and a topic that's got a lot of importance for me and, and I think is a really good model for a lot of other cities to look at across the state when they're thinking about kind of how to build networks for people that serve many different uses, that serve transportation and serve recreation and serve as economic development facilities and improve safety. So it's a really great place and it, it's really great to have Becca on here to talk to us about um, all the great work that they're doing down Cities Down South is a production of the Coastal Regional Commission of Georgia with support from the Georgia Department of Transportation. And thank you so much for listening, and I hope we'll see you on the next episode.